Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles uh, to the book of Exodus, and as was uh, said this morning, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, concluding our series in the book of Exodus. Uh, the announced section that I'm meant to be looking at is from Exodus chapter 35 to Exodus chapter 40, and you'll be glad to know I don't intend to read all that nor commentate upon all that. That is a long section. Uh, but instead of uh, just uh, trying to cover the whole ground, we're going to look at the very concluding part of the book, which summarizes uh, this section of Exodus. And so we're looking this evening at Exodus chapter 40, and I'm going to read to us from verses 34 uh, to the end of the book, that is uh, verse 38. So let's hear God's word. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up, from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This is God's word. So the book of Exodus, you may remember as we've been going through it, uh, the way we've been thinking about it is that it's fundamentally structured in three sections. And those uh, three sections are each intended to teach us that the message of Exodus is incomplete, that there's a further horizon, that what uh, Moses, as we believe is the primary author of, uh, of the book of Exodus, What Moses is teaching, God's inspiration through his messenger Moses, is teaching us that this is not yet final. There's a further fulfillment. And so each of those three sections, though of course God is doing amazing and wonderful and marvelous things in each of those sections, they each end with a note of incompleteness. So the first section is about God's rescue. Obviously God's rescuing uh, God's people uh, from Egypt, and that rescue is completed. They come out of Egypt, and yet that section ends with though they are a rescued people, they're not really behaving like a rescued people. Uh, they have come out of Egypt, but Egypt has not come out of them. Uh, they're still liable to all sorts of um, rebellion, and, and the book of Exodus is very frank about all that. So that's the first section we looked at. And then in the middle section, uh, there's uh, the revelation of of God's word, his law uh, to uh, to God's uh, people. And again, of course, that revelation is perfect and complete. His word is, is, uh, is without error. It's totally complete and perfect. And yet, though his word and his law is, is perfect and complete, in that section, we come across them not keeping his law, the famous golden calf and other 
rebellions against God's word. So though God's word has been delivered to God's people, God's people have not internalized the word. They haven't embraced the word. Their hearts are not soft to the word. There's, there's, a, there's something not yet finished. And then in this last section, that the we're just looking at uh, the end of it, um, so we have rescue, revelation, and what I call this is religion, and that's perhaps not the best way to put it, but it begins with R, and a preacher cannot resist that. Um, uh, religion, that's a Latin word, it means binding, and that's not quite what's going on here, but it's, it's the sense of meeting, a place of meeting, and God sets up this whole infrastructure around an encounter with him for God's people, and again, it's all precisely delivered and all the rest, and it's perfect, and his word is perfect and complete in that sense. And yet, as we'll see, we found out in this passage, it's a tent. It's a tabernacle. They're constantly picking their stuff up and moving again. It's not final. I mean, if you, you just think about it, it's a tent. It's not a house. It's a tent. You pick it up and you move. It's not Something's not yet done. So the, the book of Exodus is about how rescue, revelation, religion, or how God saves his people, how God speaks to his people, and how God meets with his people. And yet, there's a further horizon. And uh, that's what we're going to be uh, looking at this evening. So the, the way I've summarized the message uh, for this, this evening, obviously that this passage is all about meeting and the, the tent and the glory of God in that tent. And the, the way I've summarized um, the message for this evening is that the glory of God is most seen in the incarnation of Jesus. Because as we go through us, we'll see that Scripture as a whole testament picks up on these themes here very deliberately. And it's intended in God's providence across both uh, testaments of the Bible uh, to lead us really to, to Christmas. And of course, that, that's important, isn't it? That we consider the real meaning of Christmas. That's what we're doing a lot of um, each Christmas time. It's also important we, we think through what religion's really about, how you really meet with God, what, what it really means to have an encounter with God. And it's important that we think through the real locus of glory. What's the real place of glory? And we're all, uh, one uh, preacher colleague of mine uh, said that human beings are like glory-seeking missiles. We've heard of heat-seeking missiles. We're like glory-seeking missiles. We're just looking for glory. But where is that glory? And this will show us. So it's teaching us that uh, God's glory is most fully revealed in the end, the fulfillment in the incarnation of Jesus. So how does it teach us this? Very simply, you'll notice that you look down at the text uh, that uh, Moses... Um, repeats over and over again this tent. So it's a place, an impermanent place. It's not final yet, but it's a place, um, a tent, verse, uh, verse 34, that filled the tabernacle, another word for tent. 
And then again, verse 35, the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, verse 35. And then 36 uh, again uh, talks about the tabernacle. Um, Actually, verse 37, by my observation, is the only verse in this passage that doesn't explicitly talk about a tent or a tabernacle. And so again, verse 38, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle. So the emphasis on this passage is all about this meeting place, this tent, this tabernacle. And it's uh, teaching us that this meeting place, this tent, this tabernacle, is uh, the place of, uh, of glory. So again, as we look back uh, through it, the, the cloud, this is of course the, the um, physical representation of the real presence of God. The cloud covered the tent of the meeting, the Shekinah glory. And the glory of the Lord, so it's emphasis upon glory, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of the meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, uh, the tabernacle. There's something not yet complete. God's there, his glory's there, but even Moses can't enter. And then it talks about how God led them uh, in their times of wandering or journeying. Uh, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, people were set up, verse 36, but the cloud, the glory was not taken up. They did not set out to the day that it was taken up. The, the, the idea, of course, is that as God's people, we want to make sure that God is with us. And there's a final fulfillment to show us how we know that God is with us. As, as we'll see, that the, the, the glory of the Lord is fully shown ultimately in the incarnation of Jesus, as, as I hope to show us in just a moment. And if the cloud was not taken up, they didn't sit up. The cloud um, by day and the fire by night, presumably just because you couldn't see the cloud because it was dark. So there was another physical representation of the, of the glory of God in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journey. So there's this tent that is impermanent with the glory of God that even, the, that, that even Moses can't get into. And it's teaching us that there is a final uh, fulfillment. And of course, if you come with me in your Bibles, you have a Bible. And uh, we always, of course, encourage that at Cottage Church to have a Bible with you if, if you can. But if you, if you don't, I'll read it out for us. John chapter 1 and verse uh, 14. John chapter 1 is talking about the Word and how the Word was with God, verse 1. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things made through him, without him was not anything made that was, uh, anything, not anything made that was made. The, 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 uh, the eternal existence of the word of God, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And then, having talked about this word, then verse 14, and the word became flesh. This, of course, is the incarnation and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the amazing thing here 
And perhaps you're aware of this, some of you probably are, some of you may not be. But the amazing thing here is that the word for dwelt is the same word that the Greek translation of the Old Testament uses for tent. And so what John is saying here is the word tabernacled among us. That that tent of meeting is fulfilled in Jesus. And that we, that is the apostles, saw the glory in its final and fulfilled sense. So the fulfillment of the glory in the tent wasn't ultimately the temple. Of course, that was a a further horizon, a greater experience, a more permanent experience. But even that was, of course, destroyed and then rebuilt. And then those who saw it as it was rebuilt wept for realization that was nothing like the the previous temple. And then when Jesus came and looked at the temple, he said, this temple will be destroyed and then in three days built again, meaning his own body, because he's the temple. Or as John puts it, he's the tent. He's the tabernacle. He's the place of glory. The glory of God is most fully revealed in the incarnation of Jesus. And of course, then, what does that mean uh, practically? Well, uh, what that means is that we should elevate Christmas. I remember when I was uh, quite a young preacher in, in one of the first churches where I was preaching, I preached on Christmas and talked, I think I was preaching on John chapter 1, verse 14, and talking about the glory of Christmas. And I remember some uh, deacon came up to me afterwards and said, yes, pastor, of course, but the real glories at Easter with the death and resurrection. And I know what he means. But, of course, in the baby is the whole story. And the incarnation and the life and the death and the resurrection is the manifestation of the glory, and therefore we should elevate Christmas as something glorious. I love Christmas. I love it because of the, the lights and the, the tree and the, the, uh, the tradition around it that our family has and your, your family probably has. I love it, but I love it most of all because it is a taste of glory. And most counterintuitively, That glory is in a baby. So I think it means that. I think it also means, and we'll sing a carol in a moment that will sort of affirm this, it means that therefore we should tell others about it. We have our Christmas Eve services are perhaps the easiest invitation of the whole year to invite um, a friend of yours to college church, to bring them to one of those Christmas Eve services. Because Christmas is glorious. Uh, But then finally, if we are glory-seeking missiles, like heat-seeking missiles, but seeking glory, if that's in our nature, this text is reminding us to seek the glory 
in the right place, not in our careers, uh, not in our reputation from other people, uh, not in financial prosperity, but in Him. That's where the glory is. And to that end, let's bow and praise and prayer and worship of the one born Jesus, the ultimate expression of the glory of God. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we do bow before you and worship you. Glorious one, we love you. Help us, Lord, to behold your glory and to tell others about it too. In Jesus' name. Amen.